And we're talking with Mike Armstrong from the Financial Exchange, heard every weekday right here on News Talk 99.7 WNTK at 10. Good morning, Michael. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Good morning, John. China, it's the big elephant in the living room with everything, isn't it? It is, and I, and I still feel as though the story doesn't get enough attention. You know, the Chinese economy has effectively once again come to a grinding halt. They're their largest uh, city in the country, one of the biggest manufacturing hubs in the world, Shanghai, has been under lockdown now for a couple of months. Um, you know, factory output has plunged, retail spending has absolutely plunged. Um, and, you know, we are, I don't know that we are really feeling the true impact of that yet here domestically, but I still feel that we likely will, you know, when the largest manufacturing hub in the world just shuts down all of the problems that we were hoping would be solved in relatively short order start to be called into question. So, you know, we, we're covering a story later today about how the used car market is showing some signs of relief, um, how prices might be, you know, uh, if not slowing, if not going down, then at least slowing their pace of increase. Um, but all of that could be completely turned on its head based on, uh, you know, output of China, right? I mean, we don't, we don't do any of the end manufacturing for vehicles that we purchase here in the United States and China, but a whole lot of those parts uh, come from cities like Shanghai. Uh, China has laid out a reopening plan uh, for Shanghai in terms of, you know, what benchmarks they will need to hit in order to you know reopen this city of 25 million people but I, I gotta tell you I mean this is a this is a government that is showing just no signs of uh, you know changing direction here they were supposed to host uh, this you know uh, big soccer cup tournament um, beginning the summer of 2023 they canceled that and so it, you can really see that uh, this is a government that has no real confidence they're going to be able to get this pandemic under control and is making very long-term decisions about the direction they're going to go on things um, based on these shutdowns that they are that they are continuing at this stage. Well, that also leads to shortages, and it's on a delayed basis, of course. Uh, what happens right now will have an impact probably months or even maybe a year down the road, but we've got some shortages right now domestically, uh, in particular baby formula. Yeah, I mean, you know, for anybody that's no longer on infant formula or buying infant formula for their kids, rather, um, you probably haven't seen this. But, you know, in our country, this has been a consolidated industry where to this point, there are basically four main manufacturers of baby formula. And uh, one of them had to go offline because of some uh, recalls and issues they were having in one of their manufacturing plants. And when, again, you only have four major manufacturers of baby formula, if one of them completely goes offline, you can see these types of supply shocks that we are seeing. And, you know, this is an interesting one. It has nothing to do with China or supply chains or really anything other than just, you know, the non-terribly competitive industry for baby formula in this country, but certainly, you know, is being exacerbated right now. And, um, even if some of the other three suppliers are able to ramp up production, we've talked about the inability to move things around this country, the trucker shortage, the cost of diesel fuel. And so for parents out there with kids on, on baby formula, it's meant uh, very bare bone shells. And uh, in a lot of cases, just complete inability to, to find product. And, you know, look for you know, a lot of products, I, whenever, you know, if you can't get your hand on that next latest iPhone, well, too bad. Um, but, you know, for baby formula, there are a whole lot of kids where there isn't really a, 
um, a reasonable, comparable product, right? If, if your kid has an allergy or if your kid, uh, you know, ha- has a stomach issue, you might not really be able to switch between one formula or another. And uh, it's, it's probably quite frightening for those parents in that situation. It would be. You also touched on uh, the diesel fuel situation. That's kind of creeping its head and affecting not only the baby formula situation, but other ones as well. Yeah, no doubt. And, and you know, anybody that drives a diesel truck is well aware of this story. But uh, you know, diesel fuel has seen um, just a, a much bigger price shock than really any other type of fuel. And again, you know, th- there are problems that we have with international supply chains and, you know, all sorts of you know pandemic shutdowns, but that's not really the story here with diesel fuel. I mean, um, over the last 15 years or so, we have shut down a lot of the diesel refineries. Um, half of East Coast refineries have closed in the last 15 years. Um, and now we're looking at, you know, inventories that are the lowest that they have been in the last 30 years, right, I'm looking at this inventory chart right now, and U.S. East Coast distillate fuel inventories are lower than any time they have been in the last 30 years. And so, um, you know, I think we likely, you know, it's possible we're seeing a bottoming of this right now, and you'll start seeing supplies coming back online, and maybe, you know, some refiners are, are ramping up capacity right now. But uh, those are the supply shocks we're seeing. And you know, when you get to these types of problems where even some, there are some fueling stations that are just saying we don't have diesel because of supply shortages. You talk about inability to get grocery items or baby formula, or I'm waiting on a car to be delivered. And you, you talk to anybody that's you know, relying on semi trucks to move product across this country. And they're just telling you, look, I, I have no reliable guess as to when I'm going to be able to get this product here because of a huge combination of problems when it comes to transportation. So, you know, truckers, uh, shortage of truckers, shortage of diesel fuel, all sorts of problems really uh, lining up right now to continue the supply chain issues that we've had for two plus years. Well, at least it's summertime because diesel fuel is the same oil as as heating oil. So at least right Mm -hmm. now there's no competition for that product. But uh, if it continues, well, there may be other issues down the road. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. The airlines, how are things with them? Yeah, so uh, we are having this bidding war continuing. So if you recall... um, Frontier and Spirit were talking about uh, combining. Frontier made an offer for Spirit. JetBlue then stepped in and said, "Hey, we're going to uh, we're going to make a better offer here and say we want to buy Spirit instead." Um, Spirit ended up rejecting that better offer, saying that they had concerns about JetBlue's ability to complete the purchase. Probably concerned about some uh, antitrust antitrust concerns there. so they, they initially rejected that offer. Now JetBlue is going directly to shareholders. They're saying, hey, shareholders, vote against the planned merger with Frontier, and we will offer $30 a share in cash. Um, you know, can even do 33 a share if they'll come to the negotiating table. But uh, this will be an interesting one to see how it plays out. If JetBlue did end up acquiring Spirit, they would bump themselves into one of the biggest airlines in the country in terms of you know domestic flight volumes. Obviously, you've got the big four with Southwest, American, United, and Delta. Um, if you combined JetBlue and Spirit here, you would have a fifth large competitor in that space. What I continue to find absolutely shocking is just the 
the length to which JetBlue has fallen. When they first came out, they, you know, they had TVs in every seat. They were really cutting edge. They were cheap. These days, JetBlue, you know, their reliability score has been bottom of the barrel, according to the Wall Street Journal, for the last several years. And you really hesitate to see how them acquiring an airline like Spirit would improve any of those metrics. McDonald's. It's been announced that they're going to be completely pulling out of Russia. Yeah, so we'll be discussing this on the show today, too. But in Russia in particular, they employ some 62,000 workers. Now, in the United States, almost all of the McDonald's stores that any of us go to are franchised. Uh, Internationally, the story's reversed. Uh, Almost none of the stores that you visit in in a foreign country are franchised. At this stage, McDonald's has basically said, you know, We don't really see a path to our ability to or willingness to reopen these stores and operate them in this country based on what's going on in Ukraine. Well, that's something to look forward to on the Financial Exchange today and every weekday at 10. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, John.